The Coca-Cola Company, Cure Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. Visit balanceus.org to learn more. Your name be our petition when we pray, when we pray, when we pray, 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 Lord, show us the way, pray, pray, mm-hmm. when you pray. On your understanding when you pray, just take hold of these commandments when you pray. Know that He is your crying when you pray. When you For wisdom and not reason when you pray, let his name be your petition when you pray. When you pray, oh, when you pray, 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 God, show us the way, show us. I bow my knee. 
Battle-ready prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special, and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tide, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any art, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. I have crossed the line of no return, and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. 
My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold. And I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life in all things pertaining to me. Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me, whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan, who is the prince of this world. The world around me is not my home, and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices, and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is in patiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things, and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love, and I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if anybody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate, to speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized, and to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. 
whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscle. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit, man, has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down, and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty, and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing, and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. 
I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke, bind, and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have set your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hands of protection rest on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me, and I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass, and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood, and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day, as the Lord allows us to see more of him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God, and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God, nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations, nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord and trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. 
I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrifice has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. 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 And happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath to you, and amen for that. That's right. Praise the Lord for it. Well, first of all, we want to thank you for joining us right here on LPJ 64 for Mr. and Mrs. Three Thing Bible Study Hour. Yes. It's, I've been looking forward to this. It, it's <laughs> been a, a wonderful week. We're looking forward to this particular night, right here this Sabbath weekend, that uh, we can get together again and uh, just praise, praise the Lord. Just praise Him. Just praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Genesis 11, 9. Therefore, his name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Right. Hmm. So in other words, after the flood, the biblical account shifts from a focus on the single individual, Noah, to his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. With particular attention on Ham, the father of Canaan, we're going to look at that in Genesis 10 and verse 6. 10 and verse 6. And the sons of Ham, the sons of Ham was Cush, Mizoram, uh, and Foot, I think that's P-H-U-T, and Canaan. Those were the sons of Ham. And let me go down to 15 in that same chapter. 
through 15, he said, and Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn, and Heath. So this introduced the idea of Canaan, the promised land. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5 it says that Abe and Abe took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all the substance that they had gathered the souls that they had gotten in Haran, Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of, of Canaan they came so, in anticipation of Abraham, whose blessings will go to all nations. And that's in, um, in the same chapter, we're going to 3. Genesis 12, 3. Correct. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of earth be blessed. And that was Abram, which became who? Abraham, correct? Correct. <clears throat> Say, bless him, bless him, curse him, curse him. That's yeah, right. Exactly. However, the line is broken by the Tower of Babel. Now, this also goes to Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city. And the tower was the, the children of men building. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they had imagined to do. So go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did their confound their language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And that is the reason, once again, God's plan for humankind was disrupted. What was supposed to be a blessing, again, which was Abraham was going to be a blessing, the birth of all nations become another occasion for another curse. So the nation united in order to try to take God's place. God responds in judgment on them, 
and through the resulting confusion, the people get scattered throughout the world, thus fulfilling God's original plan to fill the earth. So in the end, in spite of human wickedness, God turns evil into good. He has always the last word. You got that right? <laughs> you got the last word. You always, always. have that word. Always. You think you're going to get it? Wrong. God is going to always have that last word. That's right. And so here we start with the curse of Ham in his father's tent. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 21 and 22. Let's start at 20. All right. And Noah began to be in husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered with his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers without. And Sham and Jacob took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backwards, and they saw not their father's nakedness. So that's the reason why uh, Ham was cursed, because of what he went and done. So the, and the curse of the confused nation at the Tower of Babel. So he was cursed because of what he told his brothers right. about his dad's they, nakedness. They, yeah, he looked up on his father's nakedness, that's why he was cursed. And the one that at the tower banged it, they was going to build a tower to help them. And they were cursed. And they were cursed because they was going against God's rule. As well as the son that looked up on his father's nakedness and told others. And told his brothers, brothers about it. And that, that was against God's rule. That's why he said, honor thy father and thy mother. That's right. So but he instead was drunk, they he got him, Instead, they got him drunk and everything and laughed at him and uncovered his nakedness and told the others about it. That's right. So what it's showing here is that Ham was cursed. The Tower of Babel was cursed. cursed. So eventually, those curses will be turned into a blessing for the nation. So Noah's act and, and his vineyard echoes Adam in the Garden of Eden. The two stories contain common motives, eating other fruits, resulting in nakedness. Then a covering, a curse, and a blessing. Noah reconnects with his animate roots and unfortunately continues that failed history. The fermentation of fruit was not a part of God's original creation, nor indulged then lost self-control and uncovered himself. <laughs> Think about it like this. You know, if we go and we drink on the wine of today, what happens? We get drunk. You don't know what happens to us after we get drunk. Oh, don't tell them what might happen. <laughs> exactly. Don't tell them where you might end up. Don't tell them what you might do. So our nakedness can be uncovered because of it. Right, right. Your sin is uncovered. That's it. That's really what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. And he said the fact that Ham saw his nakedness 
Hence, at Eve, who also saw the forbidden tree. This parallel suggests that Ham did not just see fugitively by accident his father's nakedness. Mm -hmm. He went around and talked about talked it about without it. even trying to take care of his father's problem. So, Instead of covering up, that's right, and and helping his father and protecting him yeah. from everybody else seeing his nakedness, he talked about it. He talked about his father being drunk. He talked about his father, how his father acted uh, as being drunk. He, he talked about how much how much his father drank and just all the ugly things that his father did. Instead of covering up. He exactly. talked about it. He, he told the world about it. He told his brothers about it. Yes. So in contrast, his brother's immediate, immediate reaction was to cover their father while Ham left him naked, implicitly denounces Ham's acting. This is what God is telling us. Instead of talking about your brother's nakedness, cover him up. Help him. Help him get it together. Help him get himself together, help him get his life together, instead of talking about it. In other words, like he's saying, the issue at stake here is more about the respect of one's parents. Failure to honor your parents who represent your past will affect your future. Let's look at Exodus 2012. Yeah. Exodus 2012 in the Old Testament. Exodus. Yes. Right there. Exodus EX. Yeah. Oh, Exodus. Exodus 2012. Exodus 2012. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother that they that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God has given thee. So you compare that with Ephesians in the um, Old Testament. Go to Ephesians, E-P-H-6-2, yeah. yeah. Ephesians 6-2. Okay, Ephesians. Ephesians 6-2. No, keep going. Ephesians. In the New Testament. Yes, in the New Testament. Keep going up the other way. Ephesians, E P. I think we both passed. Like, I think mean, we both there passed. E P H. Yeah. yeah, we both passed. E Ephesians chapter six, 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 two. Okay. And it says the same thing. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That's right. So That's in right. other words, because he done what he did and did not honor his mother and his father, hence the curse which will afford him future and that of his sons came. That's right. See, I don't think we really understand how important it is to honor it mother and father because it's a promise behind it. He didn't say it from mother and father. No, he did not. 
was good or bad. It says honor. Mm, it didn't say they was a good mother or bad mother or good father or bad father. It says honor, honor thy mother and thy father that their days may be longer, which is the first commandment and with a promise. That's right. Mm, think about it, mm. young people. If you have your mother and father still, you need to honor them. Respect them regardless of whether you want to or not. Is what a promise. If you want your day to be longer on this earth, then you need to respect your mother and your father because it definitely will be cut off. If you want to be here longer than 70 years, longer mm -hmm. than seven old, you want to get a seven, one, seven, two, seven, four, maybe seven, right. eight, then you got to do this right here. You got to honor oh, thy mother, thy mother and, father. and father. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, of, of course, it is a gross theological mistake and an ethical crime to use this text to justify racist theories against anyone. But the prophecy is restricted to Canaan, Ham, son. The biblical author has in mind some of the corrupt practices of the Canaanites. We're going to start with uh, Genesis chapter 19. Verse 5 through 7. Genesis. We love Genesis. Genesis 19. That's 5 through 7. All right. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Mm. And we'll go to 31 in the same chapter. 1931. So that'd be 31 through uh, 35. Mm, I'm getting there. And the firstborn said unto the young, our father is old. Said, and my, and my oldest daughter's daughter. Yeah, but there is not a man in the earth to come unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she laid down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger rose and lay with him, and he preserved not when she lay down, nor when she rose. So in addition, the curse contains a promise of blessings playing on the name Canaan, which is derived from the verb Cana, meaning subdue. 
Mm. It is through the subduing of Canaan that God's people, the descendants of Shem, will enter the promised land and prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, who will enlarge Japheth in the tents of Shem. So we'll look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse 27. In verse 27. Verse 27. There we go. And like he's saying, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servants. This is a prophetic allusion to the expansion of God's covenant to all nations, which will embrace Israel's message of salvation to the world. The curse of Ham will in fact, be a blessing for all the nations, including whichever descendants of Ham and Canaan accept the salvation offered them by the Lord. And see, even though Shem, I mean, even though the Ham and the Tower, the Babel, was cursed, God turned that into a blessing. Blessing, yeah. He, turned it into, he said, what was saying meant for what? Bad. And for bad, God turned to God good. Turned into yes, he, he turned did. around and he also blesses them through the curse of what has been done. That's right. Because Canaan is a promised land. Wow. Now we're going to take a break and we'll be back to talk more about all nations and Babel right here on LPJ 64, the Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study.
Just joined us. You are listening to LPJ 64 and Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're talking about all nations and Babel. All nations. I think I'm learning something about all this from the flood to the, you know, Noah and all this powerful. Yes, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah. from the fall of Adam all the way what? to what we're talking about now. It, it just tells you about the way that we are today and the way things is going to fold and unfold today for us. The way, they, the, the way they did then, the way it's going to happen today. Exactly. Uh, because we're, we're acting just like they did then and we're headed in the same direction. That's correct. So, what is the purpose of the genealogy in the Bible? Well, when you go to Genesis 10, it tells you about all the generations of Noah and Shem and Ham and Arm. I'm not going to read all of it, but it, it tells you this son begat this son and verse by, by you know, <laughs> it continues on and on. So, if you want to know, the sons of Jacob, the sons of Gomar, and on and on. You can read in Genesis 10. So the biblical genealogy has three functions. First, it emphasizes the historical nature of the biblical events, which are related to real people who lived and died and whose days are precisely numbered. Second, it demonstrates the continuity from the antiquity to the contemporary time of the writer, establishing a clear link from the past to the present, as right. I already talked about. From the, yeah, from the past to, to the present. Right now. That's right. And third, it reminds us of human fragility, fragile, and of the tragic events of sin's curse and its deadly results on all generations that have followed. So, if we note that the classifications of Hamamites or Semites or Jebusites or Jebedites does not follow clear criteria, the 70 nations foreshadowed the 70 members of the family of Jacob. Now, you can look at Genesis 46 and 27. 46 and uh, 27. And 27. Okay. And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were three score and ten. And the seventy elders of Israel in the wilderness in Exodus 24. Verses 9. We're going okay. to Exodus 24. I know we've been, we're going from one scripture to another. 24, 24. to 9, 24 and 9. All right. And then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab in the bayou and 70 of the elders of Israel. The idea of the correspondence between the 70 nations and the 70 elders. Suggest the mission of Israel toward the nation. 
when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Hmm. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 32.8. Thirty-two, verse eight. Verse eight. All right. He says, "When the Most High divided to the nation their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He went, He set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Along the same line, Jesus sent seventy disciples to evangelize. Let's go to Luke." Luke. In the Old New Testament. Oh, Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Okay. And after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Well, what this information shows us in the direct link between Adam and the patriarchs, they all are historical figures, the real people from Adam onward. This also helps us understand that the patriarchs had direct access to witnesses who had personal memories of these ancient events. Wow, that's that's pretty powerful. So. What does this teach us about historical, historically all these prophets were? Well, we can look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Chapter 1, 1 through 11. See, the book of generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Again, this is in the New Testament. That's why we're saying you cannot get rid of the old. Because what does it do? It tells you Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, Jacob beget Judas, and then brothers. And then Judas beget Pharaohs, and Zerah of Thymar, and Pharaoh beget Esram, and Esram beget Aram. And Aram beget Abihu, Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salem, Salmon. And Salmon begat Booz of Rakam, and Booz begat Ovdi of Ruth, and Ovdi begat Jesse, and onward and onward. See, we got to know that even in the New Testament, it tells you who was the father and onward and onward. So again, that's historical. And so why is knowing and believing that they were real people important for our faith today? Well, because we we got to realize that all this started from Adam and it's coming all the way here to the future. Yeah. Started from Adam and Eve. Exactly. That's why they called them the mother and father of, of us of all, all. The nation. That's right. Exactly. So we look at Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 4. Excuse me. Why were the people of the whole earth so keen to achieve unity? 
Like you said, the whole earth was a one language and a one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, let us make bread and burn them, and so forth. The phrase, the whole earth, refers to a small number of people, those alive after the flood. The reason for this gathering that they're trying to unite is clearly indicated they want to build a tower to reach Okay. That was the whole purpose. God already knew that. This is why God changed their language. He said, bring them water, they brought them water. Bring them water, they brought them bricks. They brought, bring them bricks, they brought them straw. They bring them, and they could not communicate anymore. Well, so they, and their real reason, well, real intention was God knew that it's to take the place of God himself. That's the right. Mm-hmm. So significantly, the description of the people's intention and action echo God's intention and action in the creation accounts. Mm-hmm. So they, again, it, it goes all the way back again to creation. To go back to creation. In short, the builder of Babel entertained the misplaced ambition to replace God the Creator. So we know who inspired that dome, we know it ain't nothing but the devil himself. So the memory of the flood surely must have played a role in their project. They built a high tower in order to survive another flood, were another to come, despite God's promise. So that's the reason why they said, well, next time it rains and floods, well, we're going to go all the way up to heaven. <laughs> well, they, they just figured jump on that tower and run right all up to heaven. Go on up to that tower, all right up to heaven. We would just run right all up to heaven. We won't have to worry about being flooded out at, at next time. But see, God had promised no more water next time, yeah, but fire. But he didn't believe that. He had already made that promise and we be in more water. See, so they they didn't realize that building that wasn't going to save them no way. Because there's going to be a flood, it's going to be a flood. That's right, there wasn't going to be a flood, but it's just a principle thing that they was trying to be God. Exactly, so the memory of the flood was preserved in the Babylonian tradition. This up, upward effort to reach heaven and usurp God will indeed characterize the spirit of Babylon. Yeah, you call it. See, that, that, that was perfect. That's what got God upset and angry with them. Is them trying to outsmart him, trying to outdo him. That's it. And build their way to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Just in case it flood again, we just go all the way right. up there. There you go. And so that upset, that upset Jesus. And so the devil got his way of continuing his way of deceiving us in so many things. Right, and so many, well, let's say our main course right there is to deceive us uh, in many ways so we can lose our soul and go to hell. Mm-hmm. He deceived Adam and Eve, and he's been doing that ever since then. Trying to see God's children. This is why the story of the Tower of Babel is such an important motive in the book of Daniel. 
as well. The reference to Shannon, which introduces the story of the Tower of Babel, that's in Genesis 11, 2. Eleven two. Mm-hmm. Genesis eleven two. Right. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. This reappears at the beginning of the book of Daniel in order to designate the place where Nebuchadnezzar has brought the article of the temple of Jerusalem. And we can look at Daniel chapter one and two and find that. That's in Daniel. One. Chapter 1, verse 2. Right. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessel of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessel into the, the treasure house of his God. See, among many other passages of the book, the episode of Nebuchadnezzar erecting the golden statue, probably on the same place in the same plane, is the most illustrative of this frame of mind. So in his vision of the end, Daniel sees the same scenario of the nation of the earth gathering together to achieve unity against God. Again, if you look in um, Revelation chapter 16, verse 14 through 16. Revelation chapter 16. 16. And then we're going to start with uh, 14. Uh, 14. All right. For they are the spirits of the devils, mm-hmm. working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blesses he that watches and keepeth his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Mm-hmm. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Oh, so again, in the end, he's going to bring them unity. He's going to bring the whole earth, kings, and all the earth together in unity. And that is what they're working on right, right now. Right now. That's what, the, that's what the world is working on right now. It's trying to be a, it's a one world. That's right. One peace. Sunday worship. One world, one peace, one, right. one government, one church, one everything. One, one everything. That's and they're going to come in unity to go against God's people. That's and right. we, we need to think about how the from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the history's past, is going to repeat itself. Yeah. It's nothing new, brother. Nothing new under the sun. It's nothing new, brother. Brother, sisters, it's been done before. It's going to be done again against God's people. If you read and try not to eliminate any out of the Bible. Right. You see, Rome done this before. Mm-hmm. Rome did it against God people before. 
It's going to be done again against God's people. And it's going to be wrong system it's, once again. Hey, it's going to be wrong system set up again against God's people. So it's nothing new. It's just unique to hear it and receive it, accept it, and believe it, and trust in God. That's exactly right. See, if we read in Genesis 11, 5 through 7, We love Genesis. Genesis? Oh, we're back oh, yeah. to my Genesis Oh, yeah, you know that's 11, my book. 5 through 7. That's my book, Genesis. Not through 11. Uh, 5, five through, seven. through 7. Okay. And when you read in there, it said, Lord came down to see the city and tower was the children of men had built. Now, when you read those from 5 to 7, and then you go to Psalm chapter. 139, Exactly. 
when nothing down in worthy of the water. He had to come to redeem it, to save it, to sanctify it, to make it holy, get it right to go up. It was all condemned. It was all unworthy. And it was, it was hopeless. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if right. Jesus didn't die and shed his blood. That's right. Like, he came to set me and to be our Savior. He came to set us set, free. That's right. Set us free from sin. So he yeah. had to come to us to save us, to make us righteous, make us holy. We wasn't, couldn't go there. The place he come from was too holy for us to even look at, let alone touch. Amen. So he had to come and redeem us. That's Amen. why he came to us. Yes, and thank God he came to us. Um, and that's a blessing in itself. Yes, it so we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, okay. One, chapter 1, verse 26. Let's go to verse 26. Oh. So in Luke, what does this teach us about God's coming down to us? We're going to start at 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation should this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and then bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mm. So there's no end. So that teaches us about God's coming down to us because of what? Because of Jesus. He came down and he said he should be great. He should be called the son of the highest. The Lord God should give him Give unto him the throne. That's right, the so throne. That, the throne. That's right, the throne. So that's the, right. That's right. So the descendants of God remind us also of the principle of righteousness by faith and of the process of God's grace. So whatever work we may perform for God, he will still have to come down to meet with us. That's it is right. not what we do for God that will bring us to him and to redemption. Instead, it is God, God's move towards us that will save us. That's right. We got to remember it, that. That's what he said. Jesus so loved the world, he done what? Yeah, he gave his only begotten son. All right. He so loved so again, us. He gave. Being only, he gave. Right. He gave. That showed how much he cared about us. No. There you go. So we just thank the Lord 
from the very beginning of Adam all the way right now to the time of Babel and all the nations that have become blessed. So we just want to thank you for joining us for this wonderful time about the Tower of Babel that has brought us and continue to bring us to this present time. We're going to play another song and we'll come back to close in prayer and we're going to give you our email address. But keep it locked in on LPJ 64, the Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour.
Amen. We call out to Amen. We just want to thank you tonight for joining us right here on LPJ 64 for the Mr. and Mr. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour where we was talking about all nations and Babel. We're going to give you our email address. If you have any Bible questions or you need prayer, you can email us at R-O-B-T-G-I-N-A 50 at gmail.com. And so we hope you come back Monday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. for more Bible study hour. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings and happy Sabbath. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word, that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else, while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen.